want to see the stories that we have on the list? Hey, do you want to actually suggest a story to put on the list? The place to do that is superhumanregistrationpodcast.com. The world's not as simple as it used to be. It's not enough to be a good guy anymore. We have to be the best. The time has come. All will be accounted for. Or we will hunt them. Stand up. It's time to be the heroes we were always meant to be. Podcast, a show that has two thirds of its hosts down with colds. I'm Steven, and I've got John and Aldo with me uh, tonight. John, how you doing? I'm disappointed in you, Steven. What? You could have said we were down with the sickness, and you didn't do it. What? I can't do that. <laughs> oh, can't do that if I want to have a voice for the rest of the podcast. You just got a bump set, and then Aldo will spike it. That's all. You, that's all. <laughs> I'm actually real happy you jumped on that because uh, I was, I was waiting for my turn to really <laughs> kind of bring down the, down with the sickness. Nice. I really thought he was gonna go for it. He didn't. I, I, it's it's the sick brain. Uh, old roommate of mine and I w- had a joke, and it was inspired by Neil Ciceriga and mouth sounds. <laughs> Anytime we could throw a ooh into a song, we mm-hmm. would, and we found it in like. It'll you could slip it in the best places. <laughs> we we have a friend who uh, coaches color guard, and so we went to support her and, and watched one of her color guard routines. And you know you had people that were dancing like to to I don't know uh, freaking Selena Gomez or something like I just want to look good for you, good. <laughs> that would be an improvement. Well. Yeah. Works real well. We had a we had a coworker uh, where I work at uh, who who hates that band. Um, so every time we would have walked past his office, we would just poke our head in and just go like, "Wow!" So. <laughs> that's that's like emotional abuse. That'd be like someone poking <laughs> their head in and being like, "Y'all heard about Nickelback?" Every day. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, this is our belated Halloween themed episode. We got a couple of spooky stories. To go over, I, I, well, I guess one of them is really spooky, and the other one is just like Halloween. Uh, it's got like a, a candy coat Halloween paint on it, but you know, underneath it's just that same old bull crap. Uh, John, you want to get us started with with uh, Marvel Zombies too? Wow, just a, <laughs> just a disgusting heap of of holiday joy. Um, yeah, he's not just sick. He's sick of this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's a quick, I mean, it's a, a quick recap. The Marvel Zombies, it ended the last time with the um, some of the biggest names in the Marvel Universe getting the power of Galactus and going off into space. And where we pick up with them this time, they've eaten it. And so they're at the edge of the universe going, oh, still hungry. And Spider-Man seems to be the only one with any shred of humanity left. The Hulk kills Thanos because he doesn't want to have one more share in splitting everything. And they decide to make their way back to Earth to try to find a device to get them to other dimensions that they could just gobble up. Um, Along the way, they eat um, Ego, the living planet. So that's cool. And um, (laughs) they... (laughs) 
They make their way back. On Earth, Wakanda is the only civilization still around. Um, 50 years have passed, and um, the Wasp has found a way to live with her zombification. Um, they found uh, Hawkeye's head, who also is down with, you know, hanging out and not, not uh, you know, munching on people. And that's where, that's when, you know, that that's who... That's where the lines are drawn. We have the zombies where it's, um, I don't know, everybody else. <laughs> like Hulk and Iron Man and Thor and Wolverine. And mostly, like, the big the big bad kind of is uh, um, Ant-Man, Giant-Man, really, because he's big the whole time. Um, Phoenix, Luke Cage. Um, they're all zombies right now, Gladiator. And uh, Hank Pym... Uh, I believe it's Hank Pym in this one. Uh, just he's a real turd, just a real <laughs> terrible zombie turd. So there are problems in Wakanda where there are people who don't want anything at all to do with the zombies, and T'Challa is just trying to keep the peace. Um, this dude Malcolm, and I don't, I, I don't know. He's an acolyte, right? I don't know if it's someone with powers. It doesn't appear to be. The, because of the time skip, most of the characters who were not, you know, the elderly Black Panther or the leftover acolytes or Old Forge or the zombies from the first book, they're like the children and grandchildren of the human survivors. So hmm. Malcolm, as far as I know, does not have an Earth 616 counterpart. He's just, he's just some dude. He's just a stumbling block. I think his dad was an acolyte. He was Fabian Cortez. That's what Maybe? it seems like, yeah. I think I think that's right. I well, I, I googled and he, he's such a nobody. I instantly got bored, so I didn't look into it any further. <laughs> so <laughs> such a boring character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, Black Panther gets uh, bit and he becomes a zombie and he goes into quarantine to just uh, keep it together, learn how to keep it together. Reynolds. Who's Reynolds? I feel like I should know who Reynolds is. Reynolds and uh, Forge are kind of like... So you know, Reynolds and Acolyte. I actually okay. just looked okay. him up because yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't place him in Earth 616 either. Yeah. I don't think he has a 616 counterpart. Okay, he's just, he's just acolyte. another Acolyte. Well, Reynolds and uh-huh. Forge are kind of like the right and left hand man of uh, uh black panther and he is just doing his best um but then you know the zombies show up and they want to eat everybody and so they fight him off and um there's some division there where spider-man is you know trying to be a little bit more human blasts off uh, giant man's head uh, the, his skull cap um they manage to put a put a uh a force field around their palace and keep the people safe but they've locked in a couple of um, zombies with them and it comes down to the zombies want to find this device they go to new york they realize that it's back in wakanda they come back to wakanda and then rather than sending just the bad zombies away um uh, malcolm sends every all the zombies away to another dimension which we're, we're going to pick up with in marvel zombies 3 um but they are able to get over the hunger um, and they put they put Cap's brain, Colonel America, 
in T'Challa's son's body, which is a jarring... Uh, it would, I don't know how much we want to get into the plot. And it's mostly just gross. This is a gross book. It's disgusting. <laughs> and if you're into zombies and gross, disgusting horror and gore and everything like that, then this is just for you. But, like, even just the images of, like, zombie... Like, I only liked Spider-Man because he had his mask on the whole time. And we didn't have to see, like, the awful, horrible, jagged teeth and, like, you know, bits of gut and gore. And it's just really gross. I remember you weren't a big fan of the zombie teeth the last time. No, last no. And, like, I was, you know, I'm like, I, I want to be a team player and, like, okay, zombies. Like, you know, surely if they did a sequel, then it, maybe something worked. And no, it's just more gross. So, so funny thing is, so so a couple of things. I was just I just want to shoot some facts at you. It's a fact attacked. Uh, <laughs> so, actually, Marvel Zombies 3 isn't a sequel. It's a prequel to 2 and a sequel to 1. Uh, cause the Marvel Zombies two takes place forty years after Marvel Zombies. Marvel Zombies three takes place five years after Marvel Zombies. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh. Also, Marvel Zombies has a surprisingly deep lore. Like I got lost in the wiki for a bit. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So it's it's tied into like the Ultimate Universe with with uh, Ultimate Fantastic Ultimate Four. Fantastic Four. Yeah. Uh, they're they're kind of a recurring arc, like in the middle of that series. That's not to mention all like the stuff that happens with like Secret Wars stuff too. Yeah, uh, with with Marvel Zombies, like the the Ultimate Fantastic Four had this arc that was building up, and it was showing Reed Richards communicating with another Reed Richards from an alternate dimension. And the, the theory was that this was going to be the Ultimate Universe crossing over with the Marvel 616 universe. And so when it wound up being the zombie universe, that was like a twist. Now, see, using it like that, sure. I mean, I could be, I could be down with that. But uh, if I can read it from the angle of touching on the Marvel zombie universe and not having to, like, get into it, you know, it was just, just, it was just disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another thing is uh, this. <laughs> this actually has one of my favorite jokes in it that I've had in comics in a long time, which is just like it's just like these really intense like shots of them like eating stuff, and then it zooms out and it's them on Eagle, the Living Planet. Yeah. And they're just like a Living Planet. Why did we think of eating this first? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it's just such a like a sitcom road road trip movie moment. Yeah. yeah, it kind of is. I'm also a little disappointed Spider-Man didn't didn't jump on the scene when they got to Earth and was like, "What kind of survivor country is this?" Yeah, Wakanda. Let's. Okay. It, it wasn't that bad, you guys. <laughs> well, yeah, it wasn't that thing. good either. I made my pun. <laughs> yeah, oh no! It, it no, was. it was pretty, uh, pretty bad. Oh, okay. but as far as Marvel Zombies Two goes. Like, I didn't find this one as gross as the last one. And, and to be fair, I don't think it was. Um, there was. There was less of that. It was more like, you know, less eating and more like, you know, like less people were becoming zombies because they already are. And it's more of a power struggle than an actual zombie movie kind of like, oh, here they come down the street. They're going to eat our brains. It was... We're going to take over control so that we can eat all of the brains. Yeah, there wasn't like a scene of zombie Captain America coming into the shot holding his own brains. Yeah. Or like zombie Hulk feeling hungry, and so he turns into zombie Bruce Banner, so the, the food in his stomach feels 
you know. I thought alert. I thought they were gonna do that again because there was a moment and uh, they did not, and I'm happy. Yeah, but at the same time, like because this book wasn't as gross as the first one, I'm kind of wondering if you like you are into the super gross zombie stuff. Is this book gonna do it for you? Because part of what made the first one so disgusting was all of the clever stuff that uh, Robert Kirkman did with the superhero zombie stuff. And this book just didn't strike me as being quite as clever. I don't know. I think that if you're a fan of zombies, if you're a zombie zombie, then you're not going to care. You're just going to go along with the crowd shuffling along in everyone else's footsteps and moaning at whatever they see on page. Maybe. Interesting thing to me, though, is like, I... I assumed that Kirkman didn't write this. No, he totally did. He totally Which is surprising did. that, like, we get... Yeah. Why Why would you assume that he didn't write it? Well, honestly, because it wasn't as gross or as clever as the first one. You know, I feel like... I don't know. I feel like that's a little discrediting to, to Kirkman. Because uh, to me... I, well, and I, and I just say, I'm not like a... I don't stand Kirkman. Um, oh, gosh. But... <laughs> I can't stand Kirkman either. And that's not true. I actually... He's pretty decent. No, yeah, he's really good. Um, but I feel like... I feel like, to me, this was, like, right into his wheelhouse. Where, like, a lot of his comics... That, well, not a lot. The few comics of his that I've read always feel like they start out very shock value But that's really only to hook you. And then they get good. They get interesting. Um, Invincible does that. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it's you know it's kind of like this isn't your this isn't your dad's Spider Man. There's violence and people's limbs are getting punched off, but then like you have like this really interesting story about growing up as a hero type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the Walking Dead also starts out very gory, very kind of shock value, very like oh who's cheating on who and who's gonna get killed and who's gonna become a zombie and who's gonna shoot who in the face. Uh, but like a hundred issues later, it's this really interesting story about like. The, the you know kind of what power or being in charge of stuff and being responsible of people kind of does to you mentally um so for him to kind of have a first series that's very like gross zombie stuff and then having like the next the follow-up kind of be uh, an examination of like superpowered zombies and maybe like what it means to to kind of regain that sense of human consciousness after committing so many atrocities, to me, kind of seems like up his alley. It didn't feel as non-Crickman-ish to me. It kind of felt like a natural progression. I think part of what is missing for me is that we're not dealing with the, the metaphor of the zombie. We're not dealing with the repercussions of these monsters that have regained their humanity uh, because it just turns into a kind of silly superhero fight between two groups of characters that we kind of don't really care about. Uh, like, so the, the, all of the issue summaries in the Marvel Unlimited app describe this as the zombie civil war. And it's not really a zombie civil war because it's like the humans versus the zombies. Yeah, it's Forge and Black Panther on one side with the Wasp and Hawkeye versus everyone else. Like, 
And then and then Spider-Man and Luke Cage do cross sides. Yeah. And you get the weird sci-fi experiment with uh, Captain America's brain in T'Challa's son's body. Uh, so it's funny because I'm saying all this out loud now, and it's like, oh, wait, no, I guess this book kind of was gross, wasn't it? Um, and, like, once they all are, like, they realize they're not hungry anymore. Or is it that they send out, like, they had some technology to do that? See, I'm forgetting these things because it was just, like... So this is, this is probably my biggest complaint with the book is that the zombies lose their hunger because they don't eat for a while. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what is the point of a zombie that doesn't hunger after anything? Yeah. Like, it's not a horror story anymore. That's just really sad. Because then you have empathy for, like, what an awful position to be in, you know. Like, oh, and just these shots of Giant Man with his, his head cut open and his brain showing. It's just... Ugh. But yeah, they all they all forget about their hunger. They haven't eaten in a while. But then the Hulk is not on board with that plan and shows up hungry, eats um, Reynolds, and then is like, no, that's disgusting, that's gross, and that snaps him out of it, and then they kill him with their cosmic power, and then and then we move on, and then they're all sent away to another universe, and it's the end with a question mark, and yeah. Ugh. Oh, speaking of gross things, speaking of gross things, Reynolds made out with, with the wasp zombie. You oh, know, I, yeah. I thought that was... Yeah, yes, gross, but also thought it's funny because they they just like what? <laughs> Everybody else is grossed out and confused and they're just like what? <laughs> no, I'm not going to lie. That was probably my favorite part in the in the in the book yeah. too because it it was gross, but it was also funny and like it was the weird sort of subversive element that I want to see in a in a zombie story, yeah. frankly. I I think the problem and, it, and and maybe I was reaching a little bit as to like what themes it's exploring i don't think i'm reaching that much um i think the problem here is that like kirkman really excels in like long-form storytelling um and i think being limited to five issues is kind of a a detriment to his to his skill um because i feel like if this was like a long-running like just an ongoing series just marvel zombies by robert kirkman for five years I think this would be a much more interesting book. Once once you got past the initial arcs of grossness and shock value. But I think that's what the appeal of, like, because if, what does it become if it's five years of Marvel Zombies title? Then it's just The Walking Dead. Because the whole appeal of Marvel Zombies is, oh, look at Captain America, he's a zombie. Oh, look at Iron Man, he's a zombie under that armor. Oh, that's kind of where the... I don't know, the appeal of the series is. Like, I think that he could do what you're saying, but I think that in this format, with it being Marvel Zombies, you wouldn't get that because the whole thing is, these are these are heroes that are all of a sudden all gross and terrible. So Ex- except I don't I don't think like that's just it, though. I think that's what gets you into the door, but I don't think that's all of what Marvel Zombies, like, can be. Hmm. Um, and I think to say, like, you know, just the... Sh- like, yes, that is what gets you into the door because that is exactly, like, the kind of thing that, like a zombie fan would want but i think if if you were to allow it to like grow and blossom you nurture it with like brains years and, and brains yeah um i think it could be a really interesting series in a way that the walking dead isn't because the walking dead never really tackles zombies regaining consciousness and that's what i think would make this one stand out um it's kind of like that really dumb teen romance movie about a zombie that regains consciousness because he falls in love hey hey that was a f- like warm bodies that was great 
Yeah, that was a I, funny movie. I don't know. I never got past the concept because it just seemed kind of dumb to me. Mm. It was the twilightization of zombie films. No, it was it was like making it <laughs> funny though. Like, yeah, he like falls for a girl, but like they did it in a funny way. Whatever, man. You don't know what I'm gonna. I, <laughs> Yo, you're right. I just run off. I, 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 I have a big it. Nicholas Holt pillow that I'm just hugging. <laughs> Aldo doesn't understand your. On love. one side, it's a zombie. You flip over the <laughs> pillow, and it's him as beast. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so think. I'm I'm actually kind of with John on this one. Uh huh. Because like, it, I I remember Marvel zombies. Like coming out, I didn't read it at the time. Uh, okay, I actually might have read the first one, but I didn't read any of the other ones after that. Um, Marvel Zombies came out at the same time as your Pride and Prejudices and Zombies. It came out as the same time as like every video game having zombie modes where you, you know, fought endless waves of the undead. It came out at the same time as like freaking Plants versus Zombies. So like they were putting zombies in everything. Zombies were the zeitgeist, and the thing that was appealing about zombies was the grossness. Yep. And now, Kirkman transcends that in long-form storytelling, so although I definitely agree with you, yes. but I feel like these books, the purpose of these books was kind of to ride that zombie craze, which was, at its heart, a gimmick. And the gimmick is the grossness. And so the fact that this book wasn't as, like, viscerally revolting, <laughs> to me, is almost a weakness in the story. But at the same time, it meant that I actually enjoyed the experience of reading it more. Like, we'll get into it when we actually get to the ranking. In my head, I'm struggling to figure out if I want to put this higher or lower than Marvel Zombies, the first one, because I enjoyed reading it more, even though I don't think it's as good or as interesting as the first one. It's Yeah, because it doesn't do... What it what it's supposed to do, it doesn't do as well. Because it moves it yeah. back towards... Back towards, like, a more mainstream book and yeah. less less in the disgusting off oh like spider-man getting yeah. ripped up and then sewn back together oh just oh. oh yeah that was that was a bit i i think my problem is i'm probably getting really hung up on like what this book could could be as opposed to what this book is and that's that's where fans of everything uh, like you you hear mo- like like people come out of last jedi and like why didn't it did it why didn't it why didn't because you you were comparing it to the movie that you thought it was going to be not what it actually yeah. was uh-huh. That's why I don't watch trailers. I just, I just see. Oh my! <laughs> the system works, man. It doesn't. Is not T- bad. Tell me one system that actually works. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> no, the one I just, was a. I just was did. Okay, action movie by Jet Li. Mm. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. I just, I, I just feel like it, I'm a little disappointed because, I, I think that's mostly it. I'm disappointed with the book because. It just kind of ends up being this middle of the road where it wants to tell like this interesting story, um, but it can't do that, and it doesn't stick to the gross gimmick. And I've seen what Kirkman can do with like this genre, and to kind of see it try to blossom and then be disappointingly shut down after issue five, I'm just like, oh. And that's that's the most disappointing of all when you know how good it could be and then it falls short of that. Yeah. That's even worse than like something just being bad, I think. Yeah. I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. Yeah, yeah, there you <laughs> go. And I think another thing that kind of frustrated me with this book, like, and again, this is kind of where I'm coming back to, the first book, 
grossed me out more, and so I really had a hard time reading it. But the first book also knew what it was and did that thing well and did it with characters that we cared about. Like, the first book featured, you know, Colonel America, and it had, uh, you know, Giant Man and Iron Man and Spider-Man and the Hulk, and so you, and the Silver Surfer shows up and Galactus shows up, and so it has all of these characters that we know from Marvel 616 and we, we like, and we kind of see how they go from struggling with their morality when they, you know, are driven by this hunger that they can't control to just fully giving in to that monstrous side of themselves. And then this book, they're monsters the whole time, and they've picked up a couple of colleagues, like they, the Phoenix is with them, and Thanos is with them, and Fire Lord is with them, and they just showed up. And we have no idea how they, they got involved with our group of Marvel zombies, and we don't even really care either. Mm -hmm. Thanos is dead by the end of the first issue, well, dead again. Fire Lord uh. can't speak because he's missing his jaw. Phoenix has like five lines in the whole book until the Hulk eats her. Yeah, I imagine. I imagine this is explained in the in the sequel prequel. <laughs> the sprequel. Yeah, the sprequel. The squeakquel. No, Stephen. Marvel no. Zombies. The squeakquel. Uh. You read it. Oh, I geez. would because of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> because you would make me inevitably. <laughs> Because there's no way I'm not showing up to the podcast and me and I refuse to read this. <laughs> <laughs> Though I have been tempted. <laughs> Welcome to the Superhuman Registration Podcast. Tonight it is just John and me because Aldo is a conscientious objector. Aldo free. But even on the human side of things, like, yeah, we've got Black Panther still. And he's still, like, pretty cool. He's Black Panther. He's not as interesting in this as he was in, in the first Marvel Zombies. I remember him being kind of a standout character in the first one. Uh, we've got the Wasp, who's still around. Hawkeye, who's just kind of like uh, the, the Head first in a jar. immediate parallel. Yeah. But the first immediate parallel that comes up is the, the third Michael Keaton clone. Oh, yeah. Hey, Steve. Yeah, he just... Yeah, exactly. Like pizza. He's the dumb one. Uh, and then we've got all of these random acolytes and their grandchildren that we neither know nor care about. Yeah. Was there a like a lead into this that like we might have read and learned a bit more? Marvel Zombies three. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So I looked up. Ask, I looked asked up, and answered. Okay. Yeah. I, I uh, actually I looked up Fabian Cortez because I was real curious. And in his abilities, it says, Cortez possesses the normal human strength of a man his age, height, and build, who engaged in intensive regular exercise. <laughs> it's like Dwight Schrute. I have the strength of a man plus a little baby. So I absorbed my twin in the womb. <laughs> this is the least interesting character who is a mutant. <laughs> he has the power to augment other the powers of other mutants that's always struck me as something funny just a bit of a tangent here there are mutants whose mutant powers specifically relies on the existence of other mutants for them to have any purpose yeah which is mm -hmm. always weird to me because it's like okay rogue you have the power to absorb other people's mutations um or okay. well, memories you know yeah cortez is probably the most glaring though because it's like 
if if Cortez was the only mutant, there would be nothing special about him, as evidenced by his physical prowess yep. <laughs> in the Marvel Wiki. Yep. <laughs> Gosh, I just want I just want House of M, but it's just him. He's the only one. House of Cortez. <laughs> <laughs> He's a superhero, and his name is Normal Man. <laughs> I can make other people stronger. Help, help, I'm trapped under this car. Never fear, Normal Man is here. Give me five other strong, burly men and we can pick this car up. Ah, <laughs> uh, fucking Cortez. Anyways, yeah, so just, just in case you were wondering why, why the other Cortez was so boring... That's his. That's his father. There we go. <laughs> I swear, there's some interesting stuff about the acolytes in, like, '90s comics. I'm sure well, as I'm, interesting as I'm, '90s comics ever get. I'm go. sure the acolytes are interesting. Fabian Cortez. <laughs> it's just Cortez it, was the leader. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yes, he's the leader. But again, what would the team be if it was just him, just a normal man? <laughs> Uh, yeah i'm trying i'm trying to spin this like trying to trying to be on your side steven even cyclops who's you know 80 percent of the time is super boring uh he still can blast stuff with his eyes his eyes are portals to a did we talk about did we talk about how (laughs) stupid it is that he ever misses he should never miss (laughs) If he can I see forget, it, he can shoot it. Yeah. yeah, I forget who I had this conversation with. Somebody brought it up and was like, why does Cyclops ever miss? And it's like, that's a good point. <laughs> he should be better than Bullseye uh, or Hawkeye because he looks at it, he shoots it. Like, how do you... How do you uh, I have a theory about this now. Cyclops's visor isn't actually to hold his... his uh, beams back, it's meant to channel them because he has a lazy eye. <laughs> <laughs> he's so he's so cross-eyed, he'd just burn off the bridge of his nose because his eyes are just looking at the same direction. <laughs> uh, oh, gosh. oh my god! Thank no. you. That gives me that gives me great closure, Stephen. I'm I really appreciate that. I'm going to add that to the Cyclops wiki and just cite our podcast as a source. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Marvel, if you want to bring What If back, call me. Yeah. (laughs) What if Cyclops just had eye surgery? (laughs) What if Nightcrawler had dandruff? (laughs) Uh, We should read That's a joke. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. That's That's a joke about the beast. That he says that in the he says that in the pilot to the animated series in ninety two he says like you had to deal with that I had to deal with dandruff. <laughs> no, no 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 the beast story is one hundred percent gonna be a very special episode of what if where the beast develops a, a catnip problem. He's not a cat. I'm hundred percent. You using get your cat beast in my story. He, boy. You get you get it out of my face. You get I don't I don't I do not stand cat beast. <laughs> Do we have anything else to say about Marvel Zombies 2? No, like, put it in the pile at the very I bottom. I think the fact that we're talking about Dandruff and Cat Beast uh, <laughs> is a good enough segue. Speaking of things yeah. that are stupid, Cat Beast and Marvel Zombies 2. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on then. Uh, we're going to talk about Rise of the Midnight Suns. Uh, this is a 1992 miniseries by various writers and artists, because it spans several 
uh, different titles. Uh, the story begins with uh, Ghost Rider, who is currently Danny Ketch, and Johnny Blaze are teamed up. Uh, something has happened to Ketch recently. His physical form was so injured that he can no longer revert to his human self. So he is Ghost Rider all the time. Uh, meanwhile, in the Arctic, there's this giant serpent carcass that a couple of scientists come across and this demonic woman crawls out from the serpent carcass and kills the two men immediately this is Lilith who is the mother of demons Lilith and Ghost Rider kind of have this vision uh, Lilith uses like this random demon to to help her have these visions Ghost Rider just sort of has it naturally that reveals that there are uh, there's, there's this group of nine individuals that if they unite they can defeat Lilith and, and kind of rob her of her power. So Lilith goes around and tries to stop these individuals or kill these individuals, and Ghost Rider and Johnny Blaze are riding around trying to stop Lilith from killing these people. And it's kind of an interesting bunch. The, the first one is Morbius the Living Vampire, which is just a hilarious subtitle for that guy, because uh, Living Vampire means he's not actually undead. He's just a vampire, but like not real. He's just he's he's a lab experiment gone wrong. I, I I really I really think Rob Zombie probably wants to have a conversation with you, because it feels like you're treading on dangerous territory, concerning <laughs> living dead girl. <laughs> oh gosh. Anyway, so um, Morbius winds up nearly dying. He gets he gets attacked and nearly dies, and they give him this. Uh, Trans I, the Morbius bit is the one that I probably remember the least well, actually. So they give him this treatment. Uh, this guy is... Oh, here's what it is. They capture Morbius with the intent to cure him. But the scientist that they've recruited to help cure him actually is going to administer a poison that's supposed to kill him. One of Lilith's minions slips his blood into this poison. So instead of killing Morbius, it turns him into more of a vampire who now has to wear even more bondagey clothing in order to be the vampire that he is meant to be. Seriously, he like goes into a bondage shop and buys just like Oh yeah, he hits on the clerk. Yeah, and it's like a slightly different outfit. <laughs> like I didn't notice a huge difference. Yeah. It's not terribly different. It just has more belts. Well, of course it does. <laughs> because nineties. He, he becomes a Final Fantasy character. Hmm. Yep. Uh, the next group that uh, Blaze and Ghost Rider uh, run up, run into is uh, it's interesting. We don't, I, as far as I know, this is the very first appearance of this trio. Uh, it's a woman living in uh, France. Is she in France? For part of it, there's a, there's some globe hopping. There's definitely some globe hopping because they wind up in Antarctica at the end. But anyway. <laughs> Don't you know, Stephen? Antarctica is the short walk away from France. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> this woman, Victoria Montessi, is one of a long line of, you know, the you know the type the familial, spooky hunters, a la Buffy, a la uh, Supernatural. She doesn't want anything to do with it. Her, her dad keeps trying to force her into this role. She is, uh, 
like, no, I don't want to do this. I just want to live my life, be a, be a doctor, uh, live with my girlfriend, which was, I think, the one notable thing. Like, they're really very strongly hinting that she is lesbian, which I thought was pretty gutsy for a comic from 1992. Hmm. Um, anyway, so she winds up teaming up with this bodyguard that I think her dad hired to, to help protect her and this sort of occult researcher, and their whole deal is they are hunting down the pages of this uh, Necronomicon-type book called The Darkhold. The pages turn people into monsters. Really interesting, high concept. Has almost nothing at all to do with our overarching plot. And the art in this one is terrible. Yeah, it we'll get back to it. Yeah, I know, I know. I just, I just couldn't, couldn't hold it in! <laughs> Uh, the last group that we meet up with, it's a trio, and these guys do have some sort of history that I'm not familiar with. This is the Night Stalkers. The, the Night Stalkers are made up of a trio of uh, vampire hunters named, well, one of them, the big one is Blade. And then there is Frank Drake, who is this kind of, like, He's supposed to be this foppish vampire hunter. He's a 90s guy now, so there's nothing foppish about him. <laughs> and then the last one is Hannibal. Hannibal, even though he's the one who apparently is not actually a vampire like Blade is, but he has the most vampire characteristics. He has the fangs. He can talk to rats. He can turn into mist. He does all the vampire stuff. But with none of the vampirism... With, yeah, he has all the vampire strengths, none of the vampire weaknesses, which is, I think, the tack they took with Blade in the movie. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was interesting. But anyway, these three don't get along with Ghost Rider and Johnny Blaze, so they fight them. They're actually hired by Lilith to try to take Ghost Rider and Blaze out, realize that they're being played at the last minute, right before they're about to execute the two, take out Lilith's minions, then... Finally, it's revealed Doctor Strange has actually been orchestrating a lot of these events, and he is specifically setting up this group so that they are in action against the occult, and he transports them to the uh, snowy wastes to fight Lilith, and they defeat her after some interesting shenanigans where she, like, actually, there's a demon portal in her chest, she reaches in and pulls out. Uh, Danny Ketch's human form, which is now a horrific monstrosity, and so they have to fight Danny Ketch's human form without killing it because Ghost Rider wants to turn back into Danny Ketch. And so there, there's some interesting twists there, but at the end of the day, this is not really a coherent story. This is more like a team-up book. They're using the characters with the name recognition, Ghost Rider and, and uh, Blaze, to launch these other titles into their own ongoing series. Yeah. And I gotta say, here's the thing, I actually really liked this. Ugh. <laughs> I liked it a lot, actually. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's the high-level stuff. Now let's get into the nitty-gritty. John, you've got stuff you want to say. It just felt, I know that like all team-up books do this. The point is... You're a fan of the Avengers. Here's a big crossover event that also touches on the Fantastic Four and the X-Men and Spider-Man. Surely, if you're reading this book about one of these teams and they cross over with somebody else, you're going to want to pick up some of those. And, and, and the whole idea is that you, get, you become a fan of other ones and then you buy more comics. 
at some level. Sure, like artists have great stories they want to tell, big stories they want to tell that would you know necessitate a big event or whatever. But really, it's you know let's let's get everybody all you know hooked on more comics. Maybe it's because I have no connection to any of these characters. Um, but it was also like, hard to follow at times, uh, like who was who and what was going on and where we were and that kind of thing. Um, but I will say I loved the uh, Kubert's art. It's uh, Andy and Joe Kubert, if I'm not mistaken. In the beginning, like the first two issues in the last one, is that right? Yeah, the Kuberts were definitely on the Ghost Rider books. Yeah. Um... Everything else was kind of meh, but those at least had some solid stuff in them. I found myself being drawn to, like, any time Ghost Rider was on panel, it's always in a cool pose. It just always worked. Um, Lilith's design is bonkers. It is. Because, <laughs> like, you know, you think, like, oh, she has this, like, widow's peak thing. No, it's not just, like, hair. It's that like her head is, like, a big flat pointy mask thing and like it, there's like kind of hair between it and it's like these two little peaks or like it's weird I think literally my reaction to Lilith was like, oh, that's a neat design. And then they showed her in profile and it was like her fleshy cone head looking thing. And I was like, oh, no, that's gross. Start making those Dan Aykroyd, Jane Curtin noises. Yeah. Nope. Um, Also, also, they could not keep her design consistent. No, it was just different enough in each panel where it was like, come on. Yeah, like in one panel she'd have like uh like the like the fishnet stuff on her legs, but then like in the in like the next book she would have like thigh highs and the fishnets would be on her arms. And then like I'm just like, what? Did nobody get like a master design for this? Also Doctor Strange showing up just like, what's up? <laughs> that was you know. I'm going to say, I think Doctor Strange just kind of showing up and, and being the architect behind the good guys in this, probably the weakest part of the story for me, mm-hmm. honestly. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that there was another, like, I thought it was Johnny Blaze, and then is it, um, like, today, it's, is it Marco Reyes? Robbie Reyes. Robbie Reyes. Robbie Reyes. Of course, yeah. Alliteration. Um, I didn't realize there was another one in there. And so, uh, what is what is Johnny Blaze's power? Is it smoking? Is that his power? Is it, lo- cool. is it looking like more 90s than anyone has ever looked? Like, he's like the love child of Hi- of the Highlander and um, Michael uh, Michael Bean's character um, in uh, Terminator, you know, Kyle Reese. Like, that that whole, like, kind of long hair and they got the glasses and they got the, like, the puffy jacket. It's just, like, it's just very 90s and, like, and he's smoking the whole time, which, like, it shouldn't be, like, it, that, like, who cares? But he just looks ridiculous. He's just a rude dude with a cool attitude. Oh. <laughs> of course. How did I miss that? <laughs> Have you guys played uh, Comic Zone, an old Sega game? 
No. Yes, actually. Yeah, that's exactly what Johnny Blaze looks like. <laughs> Google it, Aldo. It's it was a fun game. Um, oh, I, it's actually not bad. I yeah. know the game. I just haven't played it. Oh yeah. Well, the dude like he's got like long hair and a ponytail, sunglasses all the time, wearing shorts and high top sneakers, and he has like a jacket with no sleeves over a hooded sweatshirt. It's just like. Oh, and like at the time it was like, this guy's the coolest guy ever. He draws comic books and then he gets sucked into his comic book and he has to fight his own creations. Oh my gosh. And now it's like, oh dude, you look like an idiot. So. So like Johnny Blaze, we haven't had good experiences with him. I don't think, I mean, the only other story that I think that we've read that he was in was the first Ghost Rider story, which we were kind of down on. I, I liked it because he went from like I gotta pay for doctor treatments straight Better call to like Satan. Yeah. <laughs> Hello Satan, it's me, Johnny. Can you yeah. hear me? Yeah. <laughs> oh that's right. That's, that's what the episode was called. Yeah. Are you there, Satan? It's me, Johnny. <laughs> it, like such a leap too. He was like, things are bad. Things are bad. Like wouldn't you call a grief counsel? Wouldn't you call a neighbor? Wouldn't you call an old mentor? Nope. Satan. Just right to Satan. State Farm is... Allstate is there for you. Why wouldn't you call them? Yeah. Nope. Satan. <laughs> rehashing jokes from last year. <laughs> uh, something else that I think came up last year was... I have some familiar, familiarity with Ghost Rider, but mostly the Danny Ketch iteration. Okay. I'm a 90s kid. And you and had the trading cards. Ghost Rider in the 90s. And I had the trading cards. <laughs> there it is. Like, this is the thing. The trading... When I'm talking about the trading cards, the ones that I'm specifically referring to are, I think, the 92 uh, Marvel series. And on the back of them, they had everybody's... Uh, they had stats. So they, it was, like, strength, intelligence, uh, energy projection, mental prowess, fighting ability, and speed. But they also had quotes... And when I was a kid, I went wild every time I read a comic that had one of the quotes from the back of the card. Turns out they were using quotes from comics that were on the racks when the cards came out. And one of the quotes that I remember pretty vividly was the quote on the back of the Morbius card, where he says, if I must drink blood, let me drink the blood of the guilty, which he says in this book that we read. And so I had that little, oh, that's cool. Catch them all because he's Danny Ketchum. <laughs> pack, pack it up, boys. Uh, oh, gosh. That was good. It, it was worth oh, the, the 46 minutes to get to that point. Sorry, Stephen. You're talking about Morbius's quote on the back of his card coming from this, this uh, crossover.
the most that I know, like the best experience that I have with Danny Ketch is actually from a story called Hearts of Darkness. It's a team up between Danny Ketch, Wolverine, and the Punisher. And this kind of happened like around the same time as this story, I think. And so like this hit a lot of nostalgia buttons for me. The trading cards, 90s Ghost Rider, and one big thing, okay, the biggest thing that I liked, I know we talked about it, John, you don't like the art, and I agree, the art's pretty bad. Uh, I'm actually going to keep reading uh, Darkhold pages from the Book of Sin. I think there's only that one issue in there, isn't there? Nope, there's actually more of it. Oh, good, okay. Oh. Yeah, um, I've started reading issue two uh, already, and it's just like, I like the high concept of it. You've got this, this Lovecraftian book, and I, I've read briefly in the wiki about some of this stuff, and it's written by, like, Khan, which is absolutely a Lovecraftian thing. And, like, the pages of this book turn people into monsters. And so you've got a trio of monster hunters going around hunting these monsters that are spawned from the pages of this book. That's kind of cool to me. I like it. I don't know that this is going to go anywhere necessarily, but I'm interested enough to keep reading. I could get behind that. Judging by the amount of Darkhold books on the stands today, I can imagine it's not going to go anywhere real far, real fast. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, mean, wrong. Uh, interestingly, just as we were talking, uh, I did look up the Darkhold, uh -huh. and I assumed that the Darkhold like appeared in this book, and this is the first time. Nope, Darkhold was created in Marvel Spotlight number three. Oh. From wow. 1972. Wow. Wow. So, yeah. Anyway, there is there is some history there. And it's uh, popped up in, uh, like, Marvel Red Sonja books. Oh, weird. Has yeah. it shown up in, like, Doctor Strange books? Because I feel like that would be the most natural place for it to show up. Yeah. I'm not sure. Apparently, it does pop up in Marvel Zombies at some point, so we got that to look forward to. Cool. No, I think I think we've proved it. I don't think we have to go down this uh, stinky I, hole again. I think as long as this podcast is running, we we have if we're here next Halloween. Oh, no. We have we have a Marvel Zombies book to read for like the next four years, buddy. Oh, it's more than that. Oh yeah. If you look to see how many Marvel Zombies books there's, there are, there's an ongoing right now. Well, uh, I, I think that's actually the Secret Wars. No, no, no. There's a new one. It just started. Is it really? It just started like last month. Ugh. Oh, I didn't know about that. Yeah, I don't know if it's a limited series or if it's like a, an, an ongoing, but there's a new one. Oh, you're right. It is on the app. So there's the Marvel Zombies ongoing. There's Marvel Zombies 3, 4, and 5. Marvel Zombies Destroy. Marvel Zombies Halloween. Marvel Zombies Return. Marvel Zombies Supreme. Marvel Zombies Dead Days. Marvel Zombies Evil Evolution. Don't forget the, the canonical books where they fight uh, the ar the the army from uh, Ash and the, the Evil Dead. It's it's Ash versus Marvel Zombies or something like yeah. that. Yeah. You you know that moment in like third or fourth grade when you realize that you're not going to be done with school till you're in twelfth grade, <laughs> and that and that dread that just settles on you. I'm just no. reminded yeah. of that at this moment. Oh, okay. I don't relate. I dropped out at third grade. <laughs> Wait, seriously? <laughs> no. <laughs> so what do we want to say about Rise of the Midnight Suns? Man, that Let's was... get back on track. I, I, actually, I just want to say I was extremely bored. Yeah. Um, you know me. I like reading to an extent. So when I opened up this book, 
and just saw the amount of words that said nothing. Uh, boy, did I instantly tune out. <laughs> your your dis- <laughs> your description told me more than like what I read. <laughs> I was not in it. <laughs> yeah, I was all over the place. Yeah. yeah, your description of the of the um uh the third part the uh I just sorry, blank my mind is just gone altogether. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the dark hold pages from the book of sin, a uh, book of sins like your description of it I was like, "Oh, that's what they were going for? Uh, okay. Because <laughs> mostly it was like, we're following this girl around who, who's like, people think she's crazy, but like, but like, she's not doing anything and this art is terrible and I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't get into it. You know, and, and I, I was so out of it that like that, that little, the little guy with the envelope showed up. I have no idea what he had to do with anything. Oh, he's the, the, like antagonist of the series sure he's the one who's going around giving people pages from the book okay he gives the guy a page on page one and he gives the other guy a page on page 40 wait this had 40 it's pages book ending oh yeah these were like supersized issues all of them which i think might be part of the reason you guys were bored. god they felt so long yeah they were all i was like 38 39 what is going on why is the story even... over I didn't yeah. even notice. I was reading on autopilot. I that's how out of it I was. Yeah. I, I I am a little sympathetic because honestly, this doesn't quite live up to what I want it to be. Same. Um, it, I wanted more '90s excess, but like the excess that results in ridiculous over-the-top action and combat and and like spectacle. And this was '90s excess in the now featuring 100 number one issues with 70,000 new characters and these books are going to be worth millions of dollars. I think yeah. I think part of my problem with this book is like how how seriously it takes itself. Like it takes itself super serious. Um and like nobody stops to acknowledge that there's a there's a non-vampire fighting a man with a flaming skull. Yeah. Uh with a lady with with head horns. With fleshy head horns. Uh, like, nobody nobody stops to, like... Nobody stops and goes, like, this is weird, right? Like... <laughs> they should. They, they really should. I don't know. I mean, if we start off with, like... Hmm, where can you turn for help, hope, and, and help, and Satan? Like, if we start with that, then this isn't that far of a leap of how serious it is. Now, now I want to read a good ghostwriter story... <laughs> Because I like with all of this crap, like you know, the the first couple issues, the last issue, like I was still like, dang, that's a good character design. Like these are all awesome poses. I want to know more how his penance stare works, you know, and like I just uh, could not give a crap about the rest of it. And Johnny Blaze was just stupid the whole time. Just like, I just I just uh, want a Ghost Rider book to convince me that the Nicolas Cage movies are not peak Ghost Rider. Because I love those movies, and as far as I'm concerned, those are peak Ghost Rider. <laughs> really? I love those. I love Nicholas. Like, unironically? Unironically. I, I said this on Twitter, and I'll say it again. <laughs> Nicholas Cage is the Jackson Pollock of acting. <laughs> oh, gosh. I, yeah. He goes big, and it's really easy not to get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, 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 think I, I don't I, remember I Jackson Pollock this. taking like any 
job that wasn't nailed down, though. Here's the thing, like, again, talking about, you know, the book that we've gathered here together to talk about. <laughs> Today. Um, <laughs> like, there were bits of it that I thought were really good. And so I think that's why it's, like, I'm trying to be very positive on this book, even though, like, objectively, there there are some problems with it. Like, the the climax to the Darkhold book, you've got this monster that's made up of worms, and how does he get defeated? Like, a bunch of crows come in and eat the worms. Oh, yeah, and they bottle him up, too. And they, they, they bottle up part of him, and yeah. So it's like, there is some good, like, body horror imagery in there. I like a lot of the, the monster designs, especially the one that shows up in the Night Stalker's book, Meat Market. I thought he was a good, creepy-looking demon monster thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the weird twist where Lilith, like, has a portal in her chest and pulls Danny Ketch's monstrous body out of it. Like, there were some good moments in this that, like, overall, I was, like, trying to be really positive on it because I thought there were just so many good little nuggets of... of interesting horror in here i mean have you ever gone have you ever gone like gold digging because it's like I that saying i'm a gold digger <laughs> I, it's it's like that there's some really good things but you in ain't here. messing with no broke boomer <sighs> that's a that's a thing i saw on twitter it's like if overall all you white people who want to rap or do like rap karaoke just replace the n-word with the word boomer Boomer is the N-word of the generation. Listen, if you have to compare two words to each other and you can't pronounce one of them, <laughs> John that's Mulaney. the worst one. Yeah, <laughs> We're saying the word midget. You know what? I'm just disappointed because as soon as I saw Lilith, I kept expecting a giant robot, and it did not happen. Is is that a, a like an Evangelion reference? Yes. <laughs> oh, see, I got lost because ah. I I was thinking Fraser the whole time that you were saying Lilith. Because <laughs> that's that's how white I am. I wanted to put that out there in case it wasn't very clear. <laughs> All those references, anime. John's references classic 90s sitcom. Mm-hmm. Fraser holds up. Mine man. is the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Except Lilith actually is not in the Bible. She comes yeah. from like Jewish mythology. Yep. Uh, she Jewish. birthed a hundred children every day. So you still out nerded me, Steven. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is there anything else that we want to say about the the rise of the midnight suns if, um, if this is for you then then good on you but it wasn't for me oh hold on yeah one more thing one more thing one more thing okay morbius morbius is a is a vampire and he like brutally murders a couple of people but then after they catch up to him with ghost rider and they help him out then they're like hey you keep on murdering but make sure you're only murdering the bad guys okay i will like i, I he just lets him get off? Like, he, he's like, oh, no, no. I mean, that's not that different from Ghost Rider's MO. Yeah. I mean, the problem is you got to catch up with him first. Hmm. That's just, that's just. Da- Daddy catch up. <sighs> yeah, <with him>. yeah. 
I'll just, just because two words sound similar doesn't mean that you can always make a pun out of it in every context. Yes, it you does. gotta wait for the opportune moment. <laughs> yes, it does, Steve. It doesn't mean they're gonna be good, Ugh. though. <laughs> um, <sighs> Poor Aldo can never catch a break. Uh... <laughs> um, I just like how casually they just name-dropped Spider-Man. And they're like, last time I heard about Morbius, he was fighting Spider-Man. Oh, and he oh, like Spider-Man shows up yeah. on the last page. Peter Parker shows up on the last page. Oh yeah. Also, that was a big cliffhanger with what's her name from the Dark Cold Book of Sins. And she, she correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't the book end with her like the this whole like six thing where they're trying to kill Lilith? Doesn't it end with what's her name from the Montesi and she's like she finds the the Dark Cold no, not Dark Cold Lilith and she's like Oh no, what's wrong with you? And she's like, come near. Oh, that's not Montessi. That's one of Lilith's uh, demon children. You can tell because she has yellow freaking eyeballs. I was on autopilot, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. And I just was flipping through that last issue. And they defeat Lilith by shoving her head into her own chest portal. Yeah. Like... That's kind of cool. I Or oh, it's kind of like a swirly somehow. I, I got to the point where like it ended and I had to go back a few pages because I was like, wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> also, is it just me or does it just kind of end kind of abruptly? It is. It's super abrupt. Yeah. It did what it came to do, which was to launch these three other ongoing series and it's done. And yeah, so it is absolutely, this is publisher mandate. Gotta get these these books out there so that people are aware that they exist. Um, and, like, not high art. But, uh, honestly, guys, like, I have this soft spot for, like, these weird stories that, like, they're not executed really well, but they have lots of really good, solid ideas in them. I love me some ambitious underdogs. And frequently they're failures. So, like, I I freaking love, there's this random, like, uh, video game called Iconoclasts. It was made by one guy. Love that game. It's not a great game, but I love it because it's so ambitious. Uh, and I'm kind of like on the same boat with this. It's there. Uh, these stories have a lot of ambition in them. Execution isn't great. I'll give you that. But I'm still glad that people, you know, shot their shot and gave it their best. And now we've got these weird little little stories, weird little toys that we can play with. I think it's pretty great. You better believe that if I ever did wind up writing for Marvel Comics, I'd try to fit the Darkhold in there. <laughs> See, Steven, we just like our obscure things a little bit more accessible. You know, like... Yeah. Something more Spider-Man adjacent than Morbius. <laughs> yeah, you know... Morbius is a recurring Spider-Man character. Yeah, but in the bad way of it's stupid. <laughs> if, if, if I was a Marvel writer, I'd be like the Emerald Lagasse. Bam, Spider-Man. Bam, Spider-Man. <laughs> Isn't that the whole concept of Marvel Team-Up? Or one of the books of like, <laughs> just Spider-Man and so-and-so. Yeah, yeah. I would just be like, like uh, you know, joke. No, not him. Who's the current, like, editor-in-chief? Oh, uh, is it Sobolski? Anyways, the editor-in-chief would come up to me and he'd be like, your book's uh, it's starting to drop in sales. Bam, Spider-Man. 
<laughs> that'll, that'll fix that real fast. That wouldn't be an original idea, though, because that's what they do. <laughs> I know. That's why it would fit in. There you go. I think it's C.B. Sabolski, by the way. Um, uh, sounds uh, Joe Quesada. Um, no, because there was a big controversy. I actually talked about this in the Sana Aminat fill-in episode. I know, uh, I listened. <laughs> <laughs> it is C.B. Sabolski. Yeah. Yeah. Sobolski, there was some controversy because he wrote for years under the name Akira Yoshida. Oh. And he, like, pretended to be Japanese. Oh. Yeah. Pseudonyms. I'm not actually okay. stood up and defended him. And it, I mean, it was interesting to read up. I'm, I'm not 100% sure I agree with her, but also, like, I don't know. Oh. He's, he's the editor in chief. He wrote Marvel Manga Verse. Oof. <laughs> Is that in the app? Uh, I don't know. It's in the bibliography, though. <laughs> oh, if it's in the I'm app, gonna... we're gonna read it. I mean, um, he did. Um, he did live there for a while in in Japan. So, like, it's not like he's just like. He's not just a weeb. Uh, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Marvel manga versus on the app. Ooh. We're reading it, uh, but not <laughs> next time. We'll we'll announce that in a minute. Uh, we gotta get to the ranking. I think it's time. Please. <laughs> Okay, so uh, today we are going to be ranking uh, these these two stories. Top of our list, still uh, No Normal by G. Willow Wilson and Adrian Alfona. Hooray! And bottom of our list is still The Evils That Men Do. Oh. It's, just, it's just an evil. It's a, it's just one evil. It's not multiple Not evils. when I read it. It's The Evil That Men <laughs> Do, Stephen. Not evils. The evils that man does. Okay, so. <laughs> Alright, Marvel Zombies is currently on our list. At number 68. 68 out of... 73. 73. I'm on the website again. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Marvel Zombies. I mean, our readers, you should definitely be on our website. Steven, No. You have the backstage pass, Steven. You don't have to go on the website like some filthy plebeian. <laughs> don't call our, our, our five listeners plebeians. But I couldn't make a joke otherwise. <laughs> so Marvel Zombies is number 68 out of 73. It's, it's probably the lowest... Oh, gosh. It's one of the lowest ranking stories we've had. Or this is probably... It's in our bottom 10. It's in our bottom 10. Is Marvel Zombies 2 that bad? Yes. <laughs> We've discussed categorically why it is worse than Marvel Zombies. Marvel Zombies, while grosser... Would you say we discussed it or we disgusted? Disgusted it. <laughs> I would put it at 69. <laughs> nice. That's, that's not nice. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I want Marvel Zombies higher, I think. But um, I, I have to agree that I, this one has a bit of a person, uh, personality crisis. Yeah. That's Identity good way, good crisis. Way That's it. the word. Yeah. 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 It's a DC book. <laughs> I kind of want to argue for this book going higher. Uh -huh. And again, I'm going to make my case 
and I'll go with what you guys say after I make my I kiss. I can take you higher. <laughs> oh my gosh, I haven't heard that song. <laughs> Probably a literal decade. <laughs> so here's the thing. Uh, right above Marvel Zombies is the world's greatest detective, which is that is- issue of She-Hulk where she teams up with Santa Claus. Which was not a great story, but it was also kind of like, I didn't remember that we'd actually read it until I looked over and saw, oh wait, that's a She-Hulk book. Underneath Marvel Zombies is Ultimate Wolverine versus Hulk, which actually makes me angry. So that's the line of of nothing to anger. Yeah, to me, Marvel Zombies 2 is more of a nothing book than an anger book. And so I would put it a little bit higher than Marvel Zombies, which... Kind of, John, you and I, I think we're, we were the ones who dragged it down because we were so, like, grossed out by it. Yeah. Yeah. Would, would you put the, the zombie civil war above the actual civil war? No. no. Like, say what you will about civil war, which I have. Um, <laughs> I would still rather read it than any Marvel Zombies book that I've read thus far. Agreed. I, I would put this above the She-Hulk book. Oh, wow. You'd go even higher. Yes. I, I wanted Marvel Zombies higher. Huh. The problem is, a lot of the books right on top of that, I kind of like, I would prefer to read more over Marvel Zombies. The, the problem with me, though, is like there's books that are like situational that like you read because like, if I want to feel good, I will read like, I don't know, like Hawkeye, right? Yeah. Uh, if I want like a like a really classic book, I'll probably read like a Spider-Man book or like Death of Electra or like The Coming of Galactus. The problem for me is as much as I am okay with, I'm not gonna say I like as as much as I am okay with Marvel Zombies, it is hyper specific. Um, cause there's I I don't know how often somebody sits down and goes like, boy, I really want a book about. Marvel superheroes becoming zombies. I imagine that comes up more often for other people, but not for me. <laughs> um, but I, I would put it higher. But um, I think I would prefer to read Ghost Rider, like classic Ghost Rider, over Marvel Zombies 2. Um, I think I would prefer to read Marvel 1602 or even Extremists over Marvel Zombies 2. But I would not prefer to read this over... I would not prefer to read that She-Hulk book over Marvel Zombies 2. John, what are you thinking? Uh, my answer has not changed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying, in the spirit of compromise, I'm trying to see, I'll, I'll go as high as 68. <laughs> <laughs> and I can be voted down, that's fine. I just have nothing else to add. You've I've, heard I've... my bit. I just have the problem that I don't want to put it above Marvel Zombies because I think Marvel Zombies is better. But <laughs> I also think Marvel Zombies should just be higher. <laughs> no, it's fine, Aldo. We're all we're all occasionally wrong, you know. <laughs> okay. I think it's funny. I think we're starting to develop like each of us has our own little section of the list where everything that's on there <laughs> we think should be higher yes. and nobody else does. Yeah. For John, it's just Hawkeye. <laughs> I'm not wrong. <laughs> I mean, but you're not right either. <laughs> All right, I can. Uh, I don't know. Let's put it at sixty-eight. I guess. I, I do think sixty-eight is at the very least the middle ground. Yeah. Which tends to be our mo. Yeah. Know? Let's just put it there and call it a day. 
<laughs> Dave, we spend a lot of energy on on two spots on the list. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. All right. <clears throat> now let's talk about Rise of the Midnight Suns. <sighs> Here's the thing. I'm going to tell you where I want to put it, and I know you're going to knock it way the heck down. I mean, I can tell you where you can put it. No, <laughs> aim high. Hey, hey, shoot the moon. <laughs> um, I would put it, honestly, like, my first point of comparison is going to be Fatal Attractions, another bloated 90s crossover that I inexplicably like. Um, but it's I don't even think it goes that high. It probably, I would put it somewhere around uh, 58 I put it above Ride the Pain Train. I like its ambition. I know it's bad. I like its ambition. You know, I would. I was actually looking at right around that area because I was actually really. Uh huh. Oh, I thought you were gonna put it way lower. No, no, I was gonna put it at fifty nine. Like below Ride the Pain Train. Um, actually, no, I because I th- I think I like that that Ghost Rider Christmas special more. Oh, I definitely don't. Um, <laughs> okay. So, okay, we're looking kind of in the 58-59 area. John, what are you thinking? Oh, I've already been outvoted, so stick it up there. <laughs> Where were you going to put it? I am it? nothing 69? but democratic. Uh, no, I was going to put it uh, below Kill Matsuo and above oh. Happily Ever After. Down Although that's where I thought you were going to put it, 66. Actually. No. Which, cause... I'm looking at some of the names that are at our, our bottom. T- like, we, there are some talented people in here that we've just shoved to the bottom of the... like. Respect to these authors who and and artists who've like you know made it in the industry and everything like that. Let's let's not like just because they made garbage one time doesn't mean they're bad people. I want to make sure that that's clear that we're yeah. crapping on these people who have forgotten more about success than you know I will see in a lifetime. But I mean, if if you're just looking strictly like at our bottom like fifteen, yeah, we have like Neil Gaiman, Mark Millar, Chris Yost, Gary Friedrich, Bendis, and, yeah. Yeah, Kirkman twice. <laughs> Counterpoint. Kevin Smith. Yeah. Neil Gaiman's comics are actually bad. <gasps> I'm not a fan. Anyway, um, did you not like Sandman? Not, not what I've read. Did you not like the Adventures of John Sandman, CPA? <laughs> 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 Although you've redeemed yourself. <laughs> you have 20 that more is, puns where I won't say is, a thing. That is the most basic joke I have in my arsenal. Oh my gosh. <laughs> just take a superhero who has men and just make him a CPA or a or whatever. <laughs> an, okay. Everyday job. Oh man. Okay, so I think this winds up going actually around 60 then. Yeah, like if we're again going with our mo where we kind of split the difference. <laughs> Although you're you're the middleman here, that puts it between the Ghost Rider Christmas Special or Ghost Rider Xmas Special, excuse me, <laughs> and above Extremists, which I'm pretty sure is blasphemy in some circles. Yeah. Yeah. But Extremists we didn't, didn't like Extremists. Extremists was fine, I think. Uh, I I don't know. The, my problem is I don't remember. Having I, I remember liking it, but I don't remember like having a blast with it. I think I had more. I think I'm the problem with for me with Midnight Suns, and this is why I was willing to put it up so high, 
quote unquote so high. Um, is because we read like Exiles, we read Fatal Attractions, we've read like War of Kings, and as much as those like as much as I skimmed those books, um, Rise of the Midnight Suns actively like put me on autopilot. But, like, the neat bits that were in there were, like, really neat bits. Um, I don't think that came across when I was, like, talking about the book. Um, but, like, like the stuff that you mentioned, like, some of the body horror with the worms and they just put his head in the jar. Like, that's that's funny. <laughs> I'm going to say there's, there's nobody in the Midnight Suns who made me mad quite like Iron Man did in Extremis. Like, I remember actively disliking Iron Man in that book. Hmm. And I didn't... John, you, you kind of went to town dissing on, on Johnny Blaze. Johnny Blaze didn't make me nearly as mad as Iron Man did in Extremis, so... See, I don't, I don't see him being, like, that, like, volatile of a character to get all mad about. Like, Johnny Blaze sucks. What's wrong with, <laughs> what's wrong with Tony Stark in Extremis? Like... Maybe I'm just misremembering. You, you. Oh, may, I've just lost a lot of brain cells, I guess, and like, can't, can't get, can't get like, you know, back in the mindset of like a week ago. Uh, in in Extremis, Iron Man blows a hole through the bad guy's chest, and then when the body falls over, he kicks him and says, "Like, damn you for making me kill you." He was a really bad guy, Stephen. <laughs> Yes, yes, Tony Stark was a really bad guy. I agree. Aww. So, for the next episode of the podcast, we are we're gonna take a we're we're gonna move on from Halloween, um, but not entirely moving away from the disconcerting, like creepy vibes because we're only gonna read one story next time. It's a bit of a doozy. We are gonna read the Tom King Vision miniseries. The visions. <laughs> Steven, you can sync us up so like we sing it together in uh, post, right? Absolutely not. I was trying to sync to you. <laughs> I was trying to sync to you. <laughs> I was trying to sync to you because you took the lead. Oh gosh. <laughs> Yeah, it's 12 anyway, issues. Tom King, Gabriel Hernandez, Walta, I think is the name of the, the interior artist. Uh, th- this series did the, the critical rounds, was the probably the most loved, critically acclaimed series Marvel produced since Hawkeye. Oh, interesting. Interesting you're using Hawkeye as a tentpole. As well you should. I'm sorry, did the Hawkeye launch a 60-plus year franchise called Spider-Man? No, because you know why? <laughs> Hawkeye didn't come around until the 70s. <laughs> and neither did uh, any of the people who wrote that. I think Matt Fraction, I don't know when Matt Fraction was born, probably not. Um, shut up, Aldo. Aldo, you're Matt Fraction's best friend. When was he born? Oh, man. Oh, you, uh, oh you I know, forgot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I never talked about that. You never talked about that on the podcast. I never uh, did. Give us a little bit of back matter, Aldo. I mean, do we want to finish up on this real fast? Because uh, we want to make sure people read Vision Volume 2, released in January 2016. Do there it. There you go. <laughs> well, okay. It's the entire 12-issue series, yes. which started in 2015. No, January 2016. Jan- or November 2015 was issue one, buddy. Well, 
Yes. Whenever this book <laughs> came out, it was it was great, and I look forward it's, to reading it. It's the it. one Tom King wrote. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know there was a different Vision miniseries before this. Yeah, one of these days we'll read it and be unimpressed, I guess. <laughs> anyway, all of Got to pad the bottom of the list. <laughs> Although, why don't you give us some back matter here? Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, so, uh, God, it's been a, uh, like a month or two or so ago. Uh, so I, I move, I live in Portland now. Portland, Oregon. Uh, as opposed oh, to Mort, Portland, Maine. And yeah, Portland, Maine, yeah. Where they're, yeah, where they're, I don't know, there's some shady stuff going on out there. Anyways. Um, oh, it actually exists. Yeah, Oops. that's actually why I know. To make that distinction. Um, but yeah, so anyway, so there's a new bookstore that was opening up called Kino Kuniya, which is like a Japanese chain. Um, they opened up a sh- uh, like an independent store out here in uh, Portland and they had a book open. They had a grand opening and Matt Fraction and Kelly Sue DeConnick were there. Uh, they were doing a signing for a couple hours and uh, I went... And I guess the weebs just aren't into the comic books as, as uh, like I am, because uh, they didn't have a lot of people there at the signing. Um, granted, I was also there like right when they were setting up, so maybe I was just early. But um, just fantastic people. Uh, Kelly said the comic like mommed me a little bit because my my backpack I took um, it jammed up when I was trying to open it to take out the books for them to sign, which. So people know I had them sign. I had Kelly Sudakonic sign my Avenging Spider-Mans, which are the, which we read on the podcast, which were the first appearance of Captain Marvel. Um, and I had Matt Fraction sign some select issues from Hawkeye because I didn't want to just hand them twenty something books to to sign. Um, and a couple other books, um, Sex Criminals, and. I want to say there was another book I had him sign, but I think that was it. Um. Anyways, Matt Fraction, uh, he's a rad dude. He drew penises on my books. Um, <laughs> As one does. Yeah. <laughs> well, especially for the book uh, uh, Sex. Yeah, well, he also asked me if, if I wanted this signed to me or, like, just in general. Because he's a comic book artist, so I'm sure, he, or writer, so I'm sure he deals with people who just want his signature so they can resell it. And I told him, no, these are for me. I don't, I try not to sell my comics. And he's like, oh, rad. And then like, did some pretty cool stuff. He like, he put my name on all of them. One of them was like, Aldo. Um, <laughs> on one of the other books he, he wrote, hey, welcome to Portland. Uh, nice, nice to be your neighbor or something like that. Um, so just kind of rad, rad dude. Uh, Kelly said the comic was cool. She spent like 15, 20 minutes trying to open up my backpack. Um, <laughs> and she did, and I was just super embarrassed. Um, and she was telling me that if she broke it, she would buy me a new one, and I was like, "That's not necessary." Uh, <laughs> I'll treasure it forever. Then I could never yeah. use my backpack, Kelly Sudakonic. It would just be on my shelf. Yeah, exactly. Next to your yeah. books. Um, but yeah, no, I talked to them for a bit. Uh, just kind of hung out with them for like fifteen minutes while she un undid my backpack. Um. Just absolutely wonderful people. We talked a little bit about Portland, kind of moving up there, because uh, I moved up there kind of on a whim with some friends. Um, and they were telling me how, like, they, they pretty much did the same, how they just kind of decided to move up there one day. Um, and then they took it, they decided to move up there, and then they took a trip. And then they were like, oh, okay, yeah, this cements it. 
I mean, we were already going to move up here, but now we're now we're positive. Um, so so you know, just uh, absolutely nice nice people. Not not like a I don't know. Like you ever get that? You ever meet somebody and you kind of get like this hint of like, oh, they're just acting nice. Uh-huh. No, never meet not... your heroes. That's my, my my I would be afraid to meet somebody that I admired a whole yeah, lot. Yeah, I I totally did not get that from them. Um mm-hmm. they were just kind of genuine the whole time. That's cool. Um that, yeah. I don't think Fraction is on uh Twitter, but I follow Kelly Sue. Yeah. And she just seems like, you know, really forceful, energetic, like has full of convictions. And so she's not like bashful or shy, but she just she does seem like genuinely great person. Yeah, no, she was she was wonderful. Um, I talked to her a little bit. I was asking because uh, I was asking. I was trying not to like, I was trying not to be like, like 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 I have a podcast. Can I get an interview for my podcast type guy? Uh, I did bring up that uh, that we do the podcast. Um, they did not seem interested. But <laughs> I would never want an actual like. Mm-mm. Marvel creator on our show. No, no, I did not tell them the name. Because they'd look at our they'd look at our list and be like, "You got it all wrong," and here's why. And he'd be like, "I'm so sorry." Yeah, um, yeah, no, but I was. Uh, I think one of the more interesting things was I was asking uh, her like a bunch of questions about like, so how does it feel to be like the architect behind like Captain Marvel as she is now, and and anytime anybody talks about Captain Marvel. Eight times out of ten, they're referring to your Captain Marvel. Like, took some of those questions because I, I am genuinely interested because I've never created something or altered something so much that like that is the universally agreed upon version of that thing. Um, so kind of the how a person feels about that to me just seems really interesting. Um, and granted, like I said, I wasn't trying to do like an interview. I don't have anything recording or or anything um so she gave me like a pretty candid response and uh it's just kind of like like a good feeling like she was you know she was brought on a little bit for uh for the planning stages of the movie uh i I forgot what book or what movie matt fraction worked on i think it was one of the iron mans um but he also had like an interesting bit of information where he mentioned that like kevin feige has like this giant binder for like every movie that he works on that just has like pages and notes and like like article like wikipedia articles of like each character and thing that they're working on that's cool. yeah also kelly sue the comic is is is, uh a lot shorter than i expected (laughs) (laughs) and i i i make that that's funny coming from you that's exactly i want to i want to clear that up i am a short person so anytime anybody else is shorter than me, I am, I am, <laughs> I immediately take notice. <laughs> I don't want that to come out as a, as a sliding her height. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. All right. Uh, and I think we're going to end on that note where Aldo made fun of Kelly Sue DeConnick for being <laughs> short. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us. I'm going to take some NyQuil and go to bed. Have a lovely holiday season. We're recording a bunch of episodes ahead of time, so I'm not 100% sure offhand when this is going to go up, probably around Thanksgiving-ish. Eat a lot of food and get diabetes. Good night. Steven (laughs) has a NyQuil drinking problem. Just misses his mouth altogether every time he goes for it. (laughs) The the illness is just an excuse. (laughs) 